Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. This is our first episode for the year 2020 and I'm your host, Lois Strachan. You know, those of us who have been travelling for some time with disabilities kind of know what steps we need to put into place before we travel. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Sol Malobi, who shares his story of his first overseas trip with a disability. And I found it a fascinating interview and a really interesting story. Then in our Travel Tech Corner, we're going back to chat to Gerard Erasmus and Zoe Michaelides of Edit Microsystems about another device to help travelers with disabilities. But before we get to that, let's chat to Mr. Saul Malobi. Today on A Different Way of Traveling, we are chatting to Saul Malobi, who is a South African, he's a, he's a businessman, he's an entrepreneur, and he's also involved in radio. Saul, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It is wonderful to finally have a chance to connect with you. Thank you for the opportunity. Highly appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Maybe we can start off by just asking you to introduce yourself to our listeners, just to share a little bit of your story and the work that you do. Okay, my my name is Sol Komuso Muluvi. The middle name means comfort. Um, I'm an experienced uh, public servant, having worked for for government in marketing and communications sphere, but also over and above that, I've also served as a diplomat. Um, serving as South Africa's Consul General to Milan from 2012 to 2016. But also I should hasten to, to indicate that I've just been disabled for, for three years. All my entire life I was just yeah, an able-bodied person. How did that experience come about with your disability? In fact, I I was at a shopping mall with my wife, and as we're walking to the car park, I suddenly collapsed and blacked out for about four to five minutes. When I regained my consciousness, I discovered that there were two guys who were helping 
who were helping my wife to lift me up. But for some reason, I regained my full strength and I chose not to go to hospital. It was around three o'clock in the afternoon. Then we got home. We even prepared dinner. And in the evening, just before I went into, into bed, I decided to brush my teeth. All I could do was to put my toothpaste on the toothbrush, and from there, my right hand just jammed. It just got frozen. I went back into the bedroom. I told my wife, and she said, let's go to hospital. I said, no, let's sleep. We'll see in the morning uh, how will I be. In the morning, indeed, I woke up fully paralyzed from the neck down. And then we had to go to hospital. I was in hospital for three weeks. And after three weeks, the doctors came back with a diagnosis to say they've done all the tests. And what they discovered is that I have Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, GBS. I was told it affects 150,000 people across the world. So I was the lucky one in South Africa. But the good news was that um, they say it has 70% recovery rate, even though out of the 70 recovery successful cases, there's a 3% recurrence. Then I said, there's no way that I'll be part of the 3%. But And the, the prognosis then was that it will, it will take me a minimum of three years to recover my mobility. In short, how they explain it is that your brain stops talking to your nerves, and as a result, they degenerate. And because it's a small market, 150,000 people across the world, the pharmaceutical industry isn't investing in researching uh, what it is and what remedies uh, could be developed for it. So as a result, they told me the only remedy so far is physiotherapy, which meant the next week I was to be transferred to a rehabilitation hospital, where through physiotherapy and occupational therapy, they will be able to stretch my muscles to to reactivate them once more. My word. So that must have been quite a change for you in the way you lived your life. It was quite dramatic. Um, Speech mode off. Generally, I'm I'm a fairly independent person to an extent that even at work, even though I had a PA, I would always walk to the kitchen to make myself mm-hmm. a cup of tea. And there I was suddenly, I was literally like a baby, uh, completely immobile and helpless. All I was left is with was my, my voice, which was faint because the condition up also affects your respiratory system. So my breathing was affected, and that then led to development of blood clots in my vein, 
So the reason why I was kept for four weeks uh, uh, in hospital was that the doctors had to decide whether to operate me to deal with the blood clots or whether I was safe. But after four weeks, they decided I was safe and they then put me on warfarin. I was on warfarin for about eight months. And then after eight months, then I graduated into taking half disprin every morning. And I was told I'll be taking half disprin every morning for the rest of my life. Uh, it helps in thinning my blood. And as a result, blood flow becomes easier. Because even now, even though I'm working, I'm not working that much. And because of that, if I sit down for, for a long period, then my feet become, become swollen. So you, you mentioned there that you, you are still working. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're currently doing? I am a, a group executive for a state-owned economic development agency called Houghton Growth and Development Agency. It, it is an equivalent of, of Westgro in the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. And I'm a group executive. Um, my job involves attracting foreign investors to come and invest into the province. And secondly, I also support uh, local manufacturers to be able to, to export their goods. So I open market access opportunities for them. Like we will take them to, to various international shows where they could go and exhibit their, their ways. But be how them being the economic hub of the African continent, we also export our services, particularly your financial services, mm-hmm. uh, which are doing very well in the African continent, and also your telecommunications services. For instance, you have uh, our cellular companies, two main cellular companies, doing exceptionally well across the continent. So the job involves traveling, which means from 2016 uh, November, when I collapsed, I was in in hospital, at the rehabilitation hospital for a year. Then I was discharged to recover from home for a year, even though uh, I was uh, continuing with, with therapy every day. And then I only went back to to work in November last year, meaning I was away for two full years. But returning to work meant that uh, I had to gradually be reintegrated mm-hmm. into my full position. So for that reason, that's why I wasn't able to travel up until three weeks ago when I was strong enough to travel to Dubai and that's the experience I want to share with you on traveling. Well, that sounds wonderful because it's such a fresh and um, new experience that we'd love to hear about that. So can you tell us some of the logistics of the, the experience of what it was like having traveled quite extensively 
as an able-bodied person and now the shift into your current condition, what were the changes you found? What were the challenges that you encountered when you visited Dubai? Yeah, um, the, the immediate challenge I, I discovered even before taking off was when I, I booked online through your booking.com and then from there, they say special instructions. Then I give them the instruction that I needed a wheelchair-friendly bathroom mm-hmm. uh, because I I I still can can walk that effectively. And I walk like a like a penguin. I usually say to people, "Here's Mr. Penguin arriving." Uh, and I don't do stairs because I will need uh, crutches to do mm-hmm. stairs. So for that reason, on flat surfaces, I'm okay. I can walk on my own. But where we have stairs, I will need my two crutches. Wow. So for that reason, a a, a wheelchair, which is, uh, sorry, a bathroom which is wheelchair friendly. It means has a chair in there, and then you have this special bus on the door or on the wall, so I'll be able to balance myself as I take shower. And the hotel in Dubai didn't know what I was talking about, and they said no, they've never heard of anybody saying he needed a wheelchair-friendly bathroom. Uh, That was the immediate challenge, because in South Africa, we do have that. In fact, it also made me realize that in South Africa, uh, the issues of of people with disabilities is taken, are taken very seriously so that they try to a large extent to accommodate us. And then when I was booking, I also told the agency that, uh, the traveling agency, that I will need, um, they say it's a VIP treatment and it's, it comes at a cost. So I I indicated I needed that and the cost was included in, in my flight ticket. But on the day I was supposed to leave after having spoken to a travel agent, there was nobody to help me. So I had to walk from, from check-in through to the passport control. And if you've been to, to OR Tambo, Johannesburg mm-hmm. International Airport, you'll realize that it, it's quite big. It and is. often uh, Emirates flight are right at the at the end of the the other side of the airport. And what I did then, because I didn't have my crutches with me, then I used my travel bag as my crutch. So I was oh. balancing on it. Now the problem with South African airports, unlike in in Dubai, you don't have gold cuts. Mm-hmm. So I walked for about 40 minutes to to where Emirates was boarding. And when I got there, I was sweating. 
And then there were some ladies who offered me a seat, but I told them the seat, the seat was too low for me because mm. if I sat down, I was going to need someone to lift me up. So I stood there for about 20, 25 minutes waiting for my boarding. So I went in. When I went inside the plane, I just called my wife to say, I'm inside the plane and bye-bye. And I just dozed off until the next morning when we are arriving in in, in Dubai. I was extremely exhausted. Mm. But for me, I decided to take that as a challenge. In Dubai, you have golf cars. Then I said, if I did it in Johannesburg, what, why can't I try it again? I decided to walk again. This time it was near suicidal because from getting off the plane to the taxi through the passport control, and collecting my luggage, I walked for over an hour and I was sweating. Then when I got into a taxi, the guy asked if I was okay and I confirmed to him, no, I'm fine. It's just that I've been, I've been running. I lied to him, <laughs> uh, you know, because he, he, he looked very worried about me. Yes. I said, no, okay, I've just been running. And then we went to, to, to the hotel. And the other problem, because I can't lift my, my legs up, mm. then I have to ask the driver to come and help me. He just couldn't understand at first why I asked him to do that. And then I said to him, hey, I'm so sorry, I, I can't lift my 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 legs up so he came in and then he supported me i got into the taxi we got to the hotel at the hotel things were fine except that the bathroom wasn't really that accessible for me mm. because i i i take a shower sitting on a chair yes as opposed to standing like what everybody does. So I I did take a shower, but um, I suspect I didn't feel that comfortable that I was really that clean. Yeah. Like I am when I'm here at home. But, um, and I was quite sensitive whenever I was, I was getting closer to people, I looked at their faces, how they were reacting. And if they didn't give me a funny smile, then I said, okay, maybe the the deodorant has worked. It's magic. So I don't have a bad smell. So it was that. And the other frustrating thing for me, for instance, when I ordered dinner, they brought fucking knife. Mm -hmm. And with my condition, my my fingers will be the last to recover. So for now I can feed myself with a spoon, uh, not with a fork, and I still can handle a knife. 
And in fact, the irritating thing for me is that um, small things, I drop them all the time because mm -hmm. my fingers um, are still taking longer to, to recover. But then I called the restaurant. I requested that they send me a spoon. Then they said, for a dessert, sir. Then I said, no, uh, I just want a big spoon so that I, I can use it instead of the fucking knife that, that they, they brought me. Uh, but at the end of the day, there was an element of self-fulfillment in the sense that it was for the first time I undertook a trip on my own without my wife being there to support me. So uh, I was quite chuffed, even though it was very tiring. Besides, um, I arrived in Dubai on Friday morning, uh, attended a workshop Friday and Saturday. Sunday, I, I caught a flight back home. So it was a very hectic three, four days for me. And in fact, for the whole week, when the therapist came, I just said to him, no, please just do the stretches because my body is really, really tired. And indeed, it was, it was very, very tired after coming back. It's, it's, it's actually quite distressing to hear that despite having requested special assistance at OR Tambo, that it wasn't available. Because usually I've found that the, the, the meet and assist staff, the special assistants, is actually fairly good. But we do occasionally encounter problems like this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, so as a first trip, that must have been quite a, a demanding trip and quite a frustrating trip for you. Uh, in fact, emotionally exhausting yeah um and also that i i had to and i made a mistake of choosing a window seat and occasionally i had to take a walk around and along the way i could see that um the the two people who were sitting next to me uh, were getting tired of me. And I told them that I like them, they're able to move their feet around. With me, I needed to do actual walking, balancing with, with the seats so that my my feet wouldn't get, get swollen. So I think that it, for that and and also that having to explain to people um like if you ask them to do something then you always have to to preface it by saying uh, i'm so sorry i'm disabled uh may you please help me with one two three so it was a bit yeah stressful for me that is one of the hardest things we have to learn even for myself who's been blind for a number of years many sort of decades, but it's still hard to ask people indeed, for that indeed. extra help. So I, I guess the, the question that I'd like to ask is if 
you could give advice to the airline, to the hotel where you stayed, to help make it easier for someone else with a similar condition or someone with a disability, what advice would you give them? No, um, when I was um, assessing uh, my stay at this university, uh, at the at the hotel, I'm saying university because I was attending an academic workshop there. Okay. Yeah, I I said to them, the the charter for the rights of people with disabilities is an international document which was adopted by the United Nations. Yes. So the the country has no excuse for not implementing uh, that charter. And I told them they think South Africa is a third world country, but it is doing its level best to make sure that they accommodate people with disabilities. Now, with Dubai in the UAE, um, a very rich country, um, and opulence is exhibited everywhere in their architecture, they need to begin to think about measures that will accommodate people with disabilities. It's interesting. I stayed in Dubai, that's probably five years ago now. And the hotel that I was at, I don't know whether it would have been 100% accessible, but certainly there were grab rails in the shower. Um, it would have been a more accessible hotel for you with, in terms of accessibility for people with mobility impairments. So I'm, I'm curious because we do hear so much about the wealth, the, um, how, how organized everything is in Dubai. I'm quite interested that it perhaps isn't in all areas as accessible as perhaps the room that I was in. No, no, we, the hotel I was in, uh, it, it wasn't that accessible. And I raised with them. And they were even graded a four star. And that's why I was a bit disappointed in them. Because if it was in, for instance, in Italy, where I spent some time, there are many family-owned B&Bs. And when they say it's a three-star in Italy, you should know it's, it's less than one star, according to South African Grading Council. But that's understandable because, because it's a family-owned BNB. But in the case of the hotel I stayed in, it's an international brand. And that's why I couldn't understand why they, they couldn't accommodate me. Next time when you travel, when your, your business calls on you to travel again, what, what will you do differently ahead of time? 
I think what I will do uh, before I I confirm my booking, I will first talk to a hotel, ask them all these questions. Because once you have booked and you ask them questions and they say, no, we can offer you that service, then if you cancel the booking, uh, then you lose mm. the the full amount because you have already given them your credit card details. So what I need to do is to first find out which hotel yeah, is, is friendly to people with impaired movements and which special services do I require from them. And once I tick all the boxes, is then that I will choose to, to book in that facility. Absolutely. And and if I can assist in that way, I can um, pass on some details of organizations and groups who would be able to provide you with information about accessible um, travel and accessible hotels and that type of thing, if that would be of interest. Yeah, that, that, would, yeah, that will help a lot. Yeah. Oh, that will help. Well, you and I can chat um, sort of after the call and, and we can see how I can assist you with that. Okay. Yeah, my, my next trip is around February. So you've got my, my details. We should continue engaging each other. Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to do that. And where is that trip to? Back to Dubai. Back to I, Dubai. Yeah, I... I've registered for, for a doctor of business admin degree this year. And with a, the University of North, Northampton in the UK, mm-hmm. um, I chose to attend my academic workshops in, in Dubai because our currency is too weak compared to the pound. So if I was to to go to London, yeah, um, I think my family will will starve for six months. So at least in Dubai, um, it isn't as expensive as in, in the UK, but also their currency uh, is currency exchange between their currency and our currency, um, they're quite uh, reasonable. The rates are quite reasonable. That's a fair comment. Yeah. So if people would like to chat to you about the travels that you've done or offer you advice or something like that, or just engage with you about the work that you do, can they reach out to you? Can they contact you? And if so, how should they do that on what platform? Okay. Um, after I, I became disabled, um, I became aware of this whole new world that I was previously oblivious to, the world of people with disabilities. Yes. And... That inspired me to say I need to do something to mainstream issues affecting 
people with disabilities, people who could be as ignorant as I was. So I formed a foundation called Brain Hill Africa Foundation. We, my wife is running it on full-time basis. And we have a website www.brainhillafrica.com and we are also available on all social media platforms. I think people could engage me through these platforms uh, when they want to raise issues affecting people with disabilities. It was through this foundation that Power FM generously offered me this um, monthly one-hour slot uh, where I I host a successful um, person with disabilities uh, so that we could also do away with many stereotypes, you know, and one such stereotype for me is the shame mentality. <laughs> it's uh. something... We, we have to get rid of, you know. That is so true. Uh, yeah. And then if people were interested in what I do um, as, as, as a public servant, then the company I'm working for has a website called www.ggda.co.za. GGDA stands for Houghton Growth and Development Agency. And my email there is solm at ggda.co.za. Thank you. We will ensure that we um, list those in the show notes to the podcast so that people can make certain that they get directly to you if they choose to do so. Okay. Thank you so much. As a final question... And as someone who's just done your first travel as a person with a disability, what would you say to someone who's maybe where you were a few months ago and is feeling a little bit uncertain but is eager to get out and travel the world? What would you say to them to inspire them to do so? No, I would say... Traveling gives you a a new perspective, a new perspective of what you are capable of doing as it challenges you, but it also gives you a perspective to people you live with here at home, uh, a, a new perspective on your country, because then you'll be comparing your country to all other countries, uh, because I'm I'm usually very harsh on on South Africa when it comes to to disregarding uh, issues affecting uh, people with disabilities, even especially corporates. But my travel to Dubai, even though it is just my first my first destination uh, has proven that, yes, we are bad as a country, but we are not really that bad, you know. There are but, like... Yeah, but also, for instance, uh, with me, I would say, uh, 
I'll refer to Italy a lot. Um, the the streets there are not uh, the surfaces are not are not uh, smooth. Um, I remember my wife used to say, if she was to fall pregnant in Italy, she would come back home because she couldn't imagine herself in the car on those you know bumpy roads. Mm-hmm. You know? Now it's even worse for someone like me. Uh, in fact, I will fall all the time because yeah, the the surfaces there are all un, uneven and very rocky. Uh, yes, here at home, I'm able to to move around a lot on my own. Uh, but I also know when I was there, um, when my classmates decided to go to a, to a mall for shopping, I chose not to go with them. And, and they were very worried about me to say, please come along. But the thing is that I knew I was going to delay them as I walked very slowly. And, and I wanted them to enjoy, you know, their trips to, to the shopping malls instead of them being worried about me all the time. But um, I would say where possible, without necessarily disregarding your disability, but try to travel as much as possible. But also even here at home, SA Tourism has a campaign called Short Left, uh, meaning you can still do holidaying right here at home uh, without necessarily flying or driving long distances. You know, you can take a short left around. We have a truly beautiful country here in South Africa, and I think sometimes we undervalue the beauty and the diversity we have in South Africa. Indeed. Uh, ours is it's a very beautiful country, and Cape Town has been for many years, even two weeks ago, being uh, elected as the most beautiful city on earth. And it, it, it is beautiful. Lucky you. <laughs> Since recording the interview with Saul Malabi, he and I have been chatting offline and I've passed on some resources that I hope will make his future travels overseas just that little bit easier. Now it's time for the Travel Tech Corner. Today on the Travel Tech Corner, we are joined by Zoe Michalides and Gerrit Erasmus of Edit Microsystems, who are an assistive technology company based in Cape Town. Welcome, Zoe and Gerrit. Thank you for joining us again on the Travel Tech Corner. Thanks so much for having us, Lois. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you. Well, it's great for having you back. So what device are we going to be talking about today to help travelers with disabilities? It seems like it's me again, and it, today we're talking about the Sunu Band, Sunu Band navigational device. What is the Sunu Band, and what type of of travellers would it be of help to? I think it will be useful for people with a visual impairment, and if I can give you sort of an overview, it's it's wrist worn like a watch, and it tries to augment obstacle detection, if you will. 
So if you have a white cane, um, obstacles on the ground and maybe a lower level are quite easy to pick up using proper white cane technique. Um, but the Suniband can do more. So it will emit a beam and this beam will hit objects. And uh, as soon as it hits the object, whether it be uh, traffic light or whatever the case may be, or a stop sign, um, it will vibrate. And what's interesting is the closer you get, the more intense the vibration gets. And uh, I really like that too. It will not replace your white cane, but it certainly will help you with obstacles that the, the white cane won't, uh, won't pick up. It's very, very good for independence. I like it personally because uh, it will detect, um, it will help you with cues. I have to go and fill up my, my city card with points every now and again, and I have to stand in the queue there. And you don't want to knock into people, and you want to be sure when the, when the queue is moving without getting into people's space too much. Well, I think queuing is something that is a huge challenge to all of us with visual impairments. Zoe, can you tell us some stories perhaps of, of, of people who are using the Sunu band and, and how it has been of benefit to them? So I actually had a gentleman, a case last week, um, which is a really nice example. Um, he, a uh, very successful businessman, um, and recently lost his sight. Uh, it's the suspected optic neuritis. Um, and, and what that means is basically he's lost his sight in the one eye almost completely in the other. He's lost his peripheral vision. Now he's very uh, avoidant of using a lot of assistive devices and technologies. Um, so he didn't, he hasn't really started engaging with the white cane. He's looked into it, but he's, he's not happy to start using it. And he can still walk around fairly well independently. But his biggest concern was that he started avoiding shopping centers and anywhere where there are narrow spaces or aisles because he feels as though because he cannot see in his peripheral vision, he may be blocking somebody or he may be accidentally knocking into objects that are on display. So he's actually stopped going to the groceries, the grocery store entirely um, and similar spaces. Um, and when we showed him the, the Sunu band, he really liked the fact that it was very discreet. It's sort of just worn on your on your hand and it, it can just be put underneath, not quite underneath, but just next to your watch. Um, and he really liked that because it didn't, it didn't scream out, which is something he was sort of trying to avoid, the uh, assistive device. Um, and it solves his solution, uh, his problem. So uh, I thought that was a really nice example, actually. And that um, it, it's it's quite interesting because I can immediately think of areas in travel where that would make a huge amount of help. Walking through airports, navigating around tourist sites, and and just in the everyday world of traveling, if you are traveling on your own or with someone as a vision impaired traveler. Absolutely, and uh, it is independent from a smartphone, although you can also use it with a smartphone. It does have an app, and they're actually adding lots of development features using uh, through the app, uh, one of which is it, there will be some GPS guidance in the future, where instead of listening to a GPS, it will it will give you vibrations in, in terms of how to you know, turn left or turn right, whatever wow. the case may be. So that's, uh, and at the moment, nice little quick little feature since we're traveling in suitcases, um, it uh, it can help you find your phone. Ah, which that is, is very useful. Always. Yeah, that's very so, useful. <laughs> for, for everybody, yeah, I think. Yeah. And if your phone's within Bluetooth range, it will ring a bell and start ringing. You press the two little buttons. Ha! Ah, yeah. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. That's new for me. Yeah. And that um, app, is it iOS or um, Android or both? Do you know? Both. It started with Android. It's made in Mexico. 
Um, so there's Android is, is more popular among the blind, uh, especially because of the economic circumstances everywhere. Um, but yeah, iOS as well now. That's good to know. So if people would like to find out more information about the SUNU band, how can they get hold of Edit Microsystems? Thank you. Yes, they can contact us on our telephone number 021-433-2520 or uh, they can contact me. It's Gerard, it's G-E-R-H-A-R-D at editmicro.co.za. And Edit Micro is spelled E-D for education, IT for information technology, and micro is in Microsoft, M-I-C-R-O dot That's perfect. And should they give a specific reference if they're wanting to come through to you to know that it traces back to the Travel Tech Corner? Thank you. Yes. If they quote ASA in the email or a phone call during our dealings with them, as it were, they uh, can look at a little discount um, up to 7.5%. Zoe and Gerard will be back next month with another assistive technology device to help those of us who travel with disabilities. And just as a quick reminder, if you don't live in South Africa, but would like to find out more information about the Suno Band, hop onto Google, and I'm sure you'll be able to find out lots more about it. Now it's time for this month's travel quote. And this month's quote comes from Karu Paparitz, the American author of the inspirational book, The Legacy Letters. He said, I travel because it makes me realize how much I haven't seen, how much I'm not going to see, and how much I still have to see. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of A Different Way of Traveling. If you'd like to follow any of my travels, you can do so on my personal blog on loisstrachen.com. But if you'd like to find out more about Accessible South Africa, hop onto our website on www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. There's a wealth of information on the site. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa and on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za Editing by Crate Strachan using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Credits read by Musa Izulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.